yesterday. I don't know what happened. We hint of fall. How many know we go through seasons in life when we have a hint of something's changing? Amen. Let's all stand up this morning. I'm just so grateful to be in the house of the Lord because we shall enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with what? With what? Praise. Hallelujah. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for this morning. I lift up each person that's worship team and in the house that are worshiping here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for a spirit of celebration to worship Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. favor I seek, the only name that matters to me, yours will be, the friendship and affection I need, the film of all the smiling on me, the only name that matters to me, yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace and the power that gave me, your love. Is all I've ever needed And yours is the name Yours is the name The name that saved me Mercy and grace Father forgave me Your love Is all I've ever needed Yours will be The only name that matters to me The only one is favor I seek the only name that matters to me Yours will be The friendship and affection I need The fear of all the smiling on me The only name that matters to me Yours is the name Yours is the name, the name that saved me Mercy and grace, Father forgave me in your love is all I've ever needed And yours is the name Yours is the name The name that saved me Mercy and grace Father forgave me Your love Is all I've ever needed When I wake up When I wake up In the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name That I when I wake up, when I wake up in the land of glory, with the saints I will tell my story. There will be one name that I proclaim. La 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 And yours is the name, yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace, and the power that forgave me, your love is all I've ever needed. And yours is the name, yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace, and the power that forgave me, your love. 
the blind are gonna see I believe that the gates of hell will tremble when the church begins to say I believe I believe I believe and as I bow before you Lord I will rise in confidence I will see your goodness Lord in the land I'm living in and no matter where I go and no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. I believe in the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I believe that the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole. I believe that the curse of sin is broken as they roll away stone. I believe, I believe, I believe. And as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, and no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. I believe that the walls will start falling when we fall down on our knees. I believe that the lame will go walking and the blind are going to see. I believe that the gates of hell will tremble when the church begins to sing. I believe, I believe, I believe. Can we sing that verse again? I believe that the gates One back, one back. One verse back. I believe that the walls start falling when we fall down on our knees. I believe that the lame will go walking and the blind are gonna see. I believe that the gates of hell will tremble when the church begins to sing. I believe, I believe, I believe. As I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. In the land I'm living in And no matter where I go And no matter where I've been I will see your goodness, Lord In the land I'm living in And sing it to the daughters And sing it to the sons and To every generation Look at what the Lord has done. Sing it in the darkness that the light has come. And sing it to the nation. Look at what the Lord has done. Sing it to the daughters. Sing it to the sons. To every generation. And look at what the Lord has done. Sing it to the darkness that the light has come. Before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, 
it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working way make miracle work promise keep lying in the darkness my god that is who you are you are way make miracle work promise keep lying in the darkness my god that is who you are even when even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop
takes a wretch like you and me. And he makes us righteous in his sight. He, he loves us. You know, I was, um, I was playing football with my child the other day. And I noticed that his sister was able to catch the ball better than he was. And he started getting frustrated by that. And I, I, I diagnosed the problem. I said, Titus, you're talking too much. You're not constant. I know you think that's hard to believe that, that my son So when we got him focused, he was able to catch the ball. You know, just. And I thought, man, how often does God do that with you and me? He's a father, and he loves his children. And I am just grateful for the redemptive, loving hand of a father in my life. Man. How good is it that he watches out for your soul? He takes the mess that we have, and he makes it beautiful. That's what God does. That's his work. It's a miracle. It's a mystery. I just want to thank him for that. Lord, we're grateful for your hand and your work and your involvement. So, so grateful, Lord, that you watch over us. You care about us. You know the hairs in our head. And you want us to be just like you are. We thank you for that work. Thank you. yourself full because those are hunger and thirst after righteousness shall what shall stay filled hallelujah it's such a pleasure to be with you all here this morning i just want to welcome you here to bethany church and um just so sweet to be here in the presence of jesus amen, amen. say hello to someone great job today worship team we're grateful for you Bethany. So glad you could make it out today. Do you like free stuff? Is it your first time here? Grab a connection card from the chair in front of you, fill it out, and take it to Guest Central for free stuff. Hope to connect with you soon. Hi, Bethany family. Just a reminder that our offering boxes are located at the back of the church, or you can give online at bethanybillings.com. Luke 21 4. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Remember, you can't outgive God. Did you mark your calendar for the Sunday fun day? Looks like it's August 28th, right after service. There's a food truck, an ice cream, a rock climbing wall, and an axe throwing. Looks like lots of family fun to me. 
also bring them non-perishable snacks for the Canyon Creek School Snack Drive thing. August 28th. Mark that calendar. Starting on Tuesday, August 30th, we're going to be holding a three-day church-wide fast. This is a time where we, as the body of believers, come together for the common purpose of seeking God's hand to intervene in our nation, our church, and our lives. We will be meeting each day at 6.30 p.m. in the church to join our hearts and prayers into a single voice knocking on the doors of heaven. We want to extend an invitation for you to join us during this special time. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing today? All right, it's great to be in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, oh, before we get to Hebrews chapter 4, let me just remind you that we're doing a double dunk day. So that is baptism in the river. Now, I know it's a little colder today, but I want to remind you in Russia, they baptize people in the ice. So we're going to get it done. You can meet with Kevin right back. Put a hand up, Kevin. He will help me coordinate. Got seven people getting baptized, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then later on this afternoon, if you got the kiddos, we will be up at the Oasis. I'm looking forward to that. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm in the moment. All right, so this, this is a bit hard for me because I like to be planned. I like to be organized. I, it's natural for me to have thoughts lined up and do sermons and series. It's the way my mind thinks. So just being in the moment with something where I hear what the Lord is saying is a very good exercise for me. And uh, what the Lord put on my heart today, I think, will speak to you. It's about the peace of God. And I know it's something he put in me this morning. So I want to read the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 4 and then pray. He says that a, a promise remains of entering his rest. Somebody say rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed, he said, do enter rest. As he said, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the scriptures, for the word of life, and I pray today, Lord, that you would help us find rest for our souls. I pray the peace of God in a supernatural and satisfying way today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You know, I, I will have to tell you, I, I am one of those people, sometimes I have a hard time sleeping. And I might wake up after I've been out for a while, and I'll have you know thoughts or anxiety go through my mind. And it's like 2 or 3 in the morning, and it, it will be like stirring with me. Now, I had an uncle, my uncle Ralph, who was a preacher. And that man had what I call the gift of narcolepsy. All right? he, he could sleep anywhere, any place, any time. And I always envied that. He told me the story one time. He was on a missions trip in the Philippines, returning over the Pacific Ocean, headed towards Hawaii. And the preacher friends that he was with, they came, ran back to where he was, knocking at the door. They said, Ralph, Ralph, you got to pray. The pilot is lost. We're somewhere over the Pacific, and we don't know what's going to happen. And my uncle, half awake, he said to his friend, he said, uh, Vinny, uh, Jesus slept through the storm. Go back to bed. <laughs> he told me if he woke up in heaven, it's a good way to wake up, you know? So I <laughs> he had the peace of God, man. He was able to rest. I find that... There's a lot of people who don't know how to rest in the culture we're in. Uh, this verse tells us that there is a promise of entering 
the rest of God. He says there remains a promise of entering that rest. And I guess when I read the verse and I meditated, here's the thought that came to me. The more saved you are, the more you know the Lord, the more peace you ought to have in your life. It's the promise of rest. Now, in a theological sense, and if you really study the passage out, it's talking about how Jesus is a Sabbath rest for us. The Sabbath is a picture of rest and salvation. Our salvation is Jesus. And what this is telling us is you don't have to work and strive to achieve righteousness. You don't have to work and strive to you know, attain righteousness. It's not about the works that you do. It's not about how good of a person you are. There's a rest that we have. You don't have to get saved every week. But sadly, many Christians live under a bondage, a yoke, where they feel like, I've got to do more. I've got to keep going. I have to prove my merit and my worth in the eyes of God. And this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. It's something that begins with rest. There is a rest for the people of God. But, you know, in this culture where we got people who are busy, 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 it's like we have a hard time sometimes knowing how to rest. And I was telling you all about this house remodel project I've been in, and it's like when you get in a mode where you're going, 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 working nonstop, you kind of get familiar and used to doing that. You're in a pace. And, and so this last week, I was just in my yard throwing the football. By the way, we finally got grass in my yard. It's been under construction for like two, three, four years. So just to play with my children in the yard was therapeutic. And I thought to myself, man, I have missed out on just being able to do this. I, I was thinking about people I know that are so busy. And sometimes you got to know when to take the moments and rest. That's one thing I miss about like the older generation, my grandpa's generation. Things moved a little slower. And I remember, you know, he would work on our place out there in the country. And he, he'd come inside and take a siesta. And, and I, 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 when I was 12, I just didn't appreciate how hard he worked. And I remember I decided to spray a half a bottle of Niagara spray starch in his hair. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> He had like his head, his hair stuck to his head for two days. Pray that I don't have the same, <laughs> I don't reap that back in my life. <laughs> I, I look at it now like I should never interrupt a resting man. <laughs> so what I want to teach you this morning is, is how to possess the peace of God. How to walk in rest and, and God's peace. And, and I'm going to just stay right here in this chapter. I love the fourth chapter of Hebrews. I have thought about this chapter so many times. I want to start in verse 2. It tells us that the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word, someone say the word, the word they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Let me tell you the first step to possessing peace in your life. You need to have a heart that is full of the word of God. You've got to keep your heart full of it. You know why people don't have rest in life? It's because they don't really have enough of God's word in their spirit, in their mind. It's not something they're dwelling on. You know, they're, they're, they're caught up with other things. They're watching Netflix. And instead of actively remembering what the scripture says, I mean, Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, it's my peace. He's given us peace. And if you knew that and believe that, you could enter it. It's a supernatural peace. That's what Paul said in Philippians. He, he said it's a peace that passes understanding. And these things belong to us. Now, it tells us that the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. It's, in the Old Testament, they had a foreshadowing of God's plan, and they had pictures that pointed them to Christ. And So in a figure, they had the gospel preached to them, but that's the word of the Lord. It's the word of God. They heard it. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, which means 
the more of the word that you have in your heart and mind, the easier it is for you to be in tune with God, in step with God, hear his voice, know his will. And I'm just telling you, a lot of people do not have uh, the will of God figured out for their life. They live in fear, and it's because they're not filled with God's word, his promises. So I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. The Bible says that these works were finished from the foundations of the world. That's what we read. So the good news is the work is finished. It's a perfectly perfect work. It's completely complete. You can rest in it. You can know that God loves you, that he cares about you, that he satisfied you, that he's got a tremendous plan in your place, in your life. And you can know that he holds the future in his hand. You can rest assured that he knows the end from the beginning, and he knows all about what the Chinese are going to do with Taiwan and what interest rates are going to do and what's going to happen in the stock market. He's not worried about it. He already knows what's going to take place. He's got things figured out. You can hear the word of the Lord, which says that he's a faithful God. And you can feed on his faithfulness. That's what he says about himself. He makes the testimony of himself that he is so faithful that even when we're not, he can't deny himself. He will be faithful in every situation. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. If you want to hear the word of the Lord, the scripture we read tells us we have to have a soft heart, not a heart of rebellion or disobedience. It's a heart that's soft. And as long as you've got the word of God living in your heart, it will be soft, pliable, moldable. What I've discovered about your heart is it's too small for the things of this world and for yourself and for the kingdom of God. You've got to have that word in your heart so that it's moldable, pliable, alive when God breathes on you, when he speaks to you. And furthermore, the scriptures tell us that if you live righteously, walk with him, know him, and and draw near to him, and keep his commandments, that he will bless you, that his commandments are not burdensome, and that in keeping them, there's life and blessing. And there's just something about having God's word as the center part of your life, where it's full of in your heart that will bring peace into you. You might be struggling this morning with anxiety, with worry, without knowing what will take place. And it's, I'm telling you, it's because there probably isn't enough of God's word living inside of your spirit. Have actively spent time doing enough daily devotions, dwelling on it, listening to it. That could be a major problem in your life. No peace, because there's not enough scripture in there. That's what this is teaching us. Let me give you a second thought here about the peace of God. I love verse 11. Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore be diligent. Someone say diligent. Diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So when I read the verse here, what struck me is how much effort you have to put in to keeping and making peace as a priority in your life. And I like how the old translation says it. It tells us you got to labor to rest, which means you got to make peace a priority. Labor to rest, that's a contradiction, that is an oxymoron. I know the Bible's filled with all these seemingly contradictions. It says if you want to be promoted, you got to humble yourself. It says if you want to give, you want to receive something, the first thing you have to do is give it. It tells us if you want rest, you have to work for it. I mean, that, that is such a fantastic thought that a lot of people miss out on. Work at resting is something that seems impossible or elusive, but it is attainable if you'll make it a priority. Now, I am amazed at how people's priorities kind of get out of whack. You know, I'll ask people, do you have priorities that are listed or that are written out? And they might ham and haw about it, but like a budget, they probably don't have them written out. You know, what I've learned is every year, I want to discover, I want to reiterate 
what my goals are, what my priorities are. So I list them out. And that gives me the ability to manage things and bring peace into my life. So I have a list. You know, the first thing that matters is my family. And I've told you before, but by putting that up to the front, I schedule family time. Because a lot of times that just gets put off in the back burner. But by putting that up to the front, I have brought so much peace and joy into my life. All because I've got priorities lined up. What about financial priorities? It's called a budget. What is your plan for retirement? What is your plan for how you want to travel or take vacations or giving? You know, I think about, you know, the priorities for your health, your body. I mean, we're living in a time, it's like the culture we live in, bodies are struggling in this, in this particular, in Western society. And so do you have a plan that's going to reinforce that, bring it into your life? Maybe a plan to quit smoking or a plan to, you know, lose some weight. These are things that you should plan out, work on. Uh, a plan maybe for your business or your church. What, what are the goals that you want to accomplish? How are you going to get through those things? And so by putting priorities together, you can bring a tremendous amount of peace and direction into your life. And I watch people just drift all over the place because they don't have priorities established. Your first priority, of course, is to seek first the kingdom of God. Put him first, spend time with him. You get alone with God, that quiet time, daily devotions. And, and I, I'm, I've, I really am amazed how often we got to hit that because it's like, that's one of the first things people let go of in their life, and they wonder why they feel stressed or rushed or, or don't have peace. you got to establish some priorities, which means knowing your limits. And one thing that I've learned has brought a lot of peace is the ability to say no. This is what we call laboring to rest. You're going to have to have the ability to say no to certain situations in life. It will set you free in so many ways, man. I, not everyone knows how to say no, so let me walk you through a couple strategies for saying no to yourself or no to situations. And you know, one way is when you have to say something like, "Well, I've already said no to this situation, and if I say yes to you, the other person I've said no to might be upset by that." Yeah, I remember we first bought the building. My mother, she's not here today, so I can say this. <laughs> she asked me if we could have Thanksgiving in the fellowship hall. And I said, Mom, if we do that, we have to have Thanksgiving for everybody else in the fellowship hall. So, and I did get asked, hey, can I have a, you know, Thanksgiving? I said, you know, we can't do that. I already said no to my mother. <laughs> uh, some, here's a good way for you to say no. Uh, let me check my schedule, or I'll have to check my, with my spouse before I commit to that. Did you know if you check with your spouse before you commit to something, you could save some peace in your life? <laughs> There's some things Elizabeth would not have liked to do, and I had to double-check with her, and then I had to say no. All right? That does happen. Uh, sometimes saying no is, is saying, I'll just have to take a rain check on that. I can't get to that. And, uh, sometimes it is just knowing what your priorities are. I don't prioritize that. Isn't it amazing how people have different agendas that they want to push you into, and you actively have to labor at resting by just saying, no, I can't do that. That is not on my front burner. I, I've got to keep my rhythm the time in a position here where I can take care of myself. This is the peace of God. And if you don't prioritize the time, I'm telling you, the scripture says here, your heart can get hard and you can fall into a place of disobedience, frustration, and it's as simple as laboring in rest. And I find a lot of people really struggle with that. I struggle with that. It's something I'm trying to be aware of in my life, laboring to rest. Not, not just in the things you do, but in your salvation. You know that Jesus loves you? that he's pleased with you, that he is so good. Man, he cares about you. He knows the hairs of your head. That is a, you can rest 
in his, in his finished work. And sometimes we have to labor at that. I'm grateful for it. So you want to make peace a priority if you want the peace of God in your life. Number three here. I love verse 12. This is one of the great verses of the Bible. It says the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. I mean, this is about as deep as it gets. Uh, the joints and the marrow. It goes down to the very depths of your heart and is a discerner of thoughts and, and intents of what's taking place. And I don't think we can read the 12th verse without appreciating the 13th verse. That there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, as I was reading the verse here, the thought that came to me was about how if you, if you want peace, if you want to possess it, here's what you've got to do. You have to learn how to process truth. Learn how to process truth. You know, I like what Jesus said. Uh, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And truth is at such a premium today. I mean, Jesus said that if you take his yoke and learn from him, you'd have peace for your souls. That, that's learning how to walk with him. It's learning the truth, who, of course, is Jesus. I could have gone many directions with these verses. Man, we could talk about transparency. We could talk about vulnerability. We could talk about openness. We could talk about honesty. But when everything is exposed, when it's all laid bare before him, that's when the truth comes out. And that truth is the thing that will set you free in life. The truth, it's interesting, he uses it like a sharp two-edged sword. That's a surgical tool that comes out of his mouth. Sometimes, you know, when you are frustrated, it's like having a little sliver. It's a little thing that can bring a lot of frustration and pain to you. And to get that sliver out, as you know, you're going to have to get something sharp, maybe bust open a layer of skin and remove it. And that's what the truth does. It highlights things so that you can see something for what it is, and you can have truth in your heart and mind. I love verse 12, because it's got profound theological implications. We can talk about his word and the soul and the spirit, how you identify things. But it's telling us here, if you want to discover truth, the first thing we can say is truth. Let me help you process truth, what it looks like. The first thing we can say is that truth is the word of God. His word is true. The culture is not true. And we have a culture today that is wayward and corrupt, where we're redefining the roles of people and definitions. I mean, they have to ask Supreme Court candidates now what the definition of a woman is. That is how confused the culture has gotten. And I'm not going with that. I'm sticking with the Word of God. That is what truth is. Truth is not your feelings, because them feelings that you have are fickle, and they will run up and down. You'll be scrolling through Facebook and see something, and then you get insecure, and suddenly you get triggered about something, and your emotions run wild, and it's not true. And I watch people all the time, they, they live out of emotion rather than knowing how to handle truth when it's presented to them. I'm just talking about truth, how to, how to process it. You want to process truth? Don't be defensive. When you hear something from the Lord, this is what happened to Adam in the garden. I'm telling you, the very first thing that happened when he sinned and truth was exposed and he found himself naked before the Lord was to hide and blame people. That's human nature. So defensiveness never seems to work well if you're going to process truth. I, I tell the story. It's worth telling again. 
being 20 years old, I got in an argument with my mother. Can you believe that? A 20-year-old upset with his mom because she was saying something about like respecting her or taking up the trash. I don't know what it was. So I went to have devotions that morning early. I never forget where I was, exactly where I was sitting. And I read the 141st Psalm, verse 5. It said, let the righteous strike me. It shall be as oil upon my head. And I thought, oh, no. The Lord is correcting me. He's telling me to listen to my mother, my mom. And I had to sit there, and, and I, I realized, you know what? I didn't handle that situation. Well, I didn't have to yell at her and slam the door. That's just processing truth properly. One time, I found myself real frustrated with church. I know that's something strange for people to believe, but I was like aggravated with what I was doing, even frustrated with the call of God. I had this gift in my life. Maybe I was looking at someone else's gifting, and I thought, I wish I could be used that way. I wish I had this gift in my life. And it's kind of eating me up, and so I was kind of praying about it to the Lord, and he gave me a verse right back in my heart, Romans 9, verse 20. Shall the thing formed say to him who created it, why have you made me this way? I mean, it's like God makes people and gives them what he's given them, and it's his prerogative and his sovereignty, and you got to quit worrying about your strengths and weaknesses. I mean, I, I was like, okay. Because you know what the verse says here we just read? That not only is everything naked and open, but you're going to have to give an account one day to him. Given, that means you're going to have to accept responsibility at some point. And I have learned the sooner I accept responsibility for my problems in something, or I can see a situation truly, the easier it's going to be. I've tried to teach my child that. When you're wrong, you can own it. It's okay. But how often has that blessed me? Because how often have I found out I'm wrong in situations? This is processing truth, the way that God speaks to us. And I found that, you know, when you've got truth, you have the basis to build relationships. First of all, with God, because you'll find out how faithful he is. He will correct you, he will talk to you, but then he will build you up and he will love you and he will be right there with you and he'll see you through it. And it works the same way with people. I mean, when there's truth in a situation, you can build a relationship. I believe the basis for relationships is honesty because when there's honesty, you can really have truth on display. You can build on it, it works out. So if you can ever learn how to process truth, if you can learn how to receive correction from the word of the Lord, if you know when that word that he's speaking to you penetrates a heart, I'm telling you, you can walk in peace. It will bring peace into your life. That's what Jesus meant when he said, learn from me, take my yoke. It brings peace to your life. The peace of God. I feel it in the room right now. I, I just, you know what I can sense? I sense hearts coming open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, in that situation, you could have handled something different. That's the peace of God. And I love him for it. I'm so grateful that he is a father in my heart. Let me give you one more thought here in verse 14. He said, seeing that we have a great high priest, who it says is passed through the heavens, and it tells us is, of course, Jesus, the Son of God. He said, hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to your faith. It tells us that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Someone say sympathize. He, he sympathizes with your weaknesses because he became a man. It says he was tempted as you and I are, but he did it all without sin. So let me give you a fourth thought about possessing peace. And this may be the most challenging one for you. And it has to do with receiving God's love, receiving the love of a personal high priest, a savior, a shepherd, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
You know, I think that the greatest attribute of God is his love. His, his nature is to love people. And, I, and his, isn't John 3.16, you know it, that he went to to demonstrate his love for you. The scripture says in John 3.16, you know it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That, that's a tremendous love, an everlasting love that he demonstrated for you. But it's a funny thing because sometimes receiving the love of God is the hardest thing for people to do. I mean, I had to use the word receiving because there's really not much you can do other than just receive it and accept it. And what we struggle with is feeling like we got to earn it, we got to prove it, we got to demonstrate something in order for us to be loved. This is human nature. This is something that is found in people from the time they're little. And it's a struggle that people walk through all their life just to simply receive God's love. Now, I did notice a pattern in myself. I noticed that when I had guest speakers in, I started to get nervous. So I had a great time with my friend Chris Michelson. Dude, that guy is doing a great work for the Lord. I mean, he has a tr strong evangelistic gift. It's fun to be around that. But I started dreading bringing people in because I wanted everything to look amazing. I want the church to be full of people, lights on, you know, amazing in every way. And I started getting stressed out, like, well, what if this isn't, or what if this happens, or, you know, what if, and, and, and it started eating away at me, whether it's with Chris Michelson or my friend Mike Ware, Pastor Mike. You know, I was on the phone with him this week, and he spoke something to me that, that just affirmed me in such a way, I just, I started just crying. I'm not someone who cries, but it demonstrated love in my heart when I needed it, because I so often strive to earn it rather than just receive it. And I know I'm not alone like that. It's hard to receive God's love because it's a free gift. Isn't it funny when someone gives you something freely, your first reaction is to say no. You don't, you don't, like that, that's rather than just accept. And it's like, man, it flies in the face of what we try to do as people. And there's something freeing about receiving the love of God in your life. You, you know why it's hard for you to receive God's love and feel peace? It's because we just read it in the verse right here. There's certain weaknesses in your life, certain sin issues, certain character flaws, and if you're not careful, you can get really caught up with those things and get down on yourself and feel like, oh man, I have made a mistake, I'm a horrible person. Because even though he knows exactly what you think when you're at a restaurant sitting somewhere, even though he knows what's going on in your heart and mind at two or three in the morning, even though he knows how you really feel about someone in your heart or that you've been cheating on your taxes or lying about people, he still loves you and cares about you. The problem is, you know, when you get in God's presence, you can't help but have those things be exposed. I mean, I think about what happened to Moses, like the song we sang this morning. He got in God's presence, and he said, I'm a wretched man. There's something about his presence that exposes certain things in your life. I think about what happened to Isaiah when he got with the Lord. It was like he said, you know, uh, I'm an undone man. I'm unclean. I've got unclean lips. He, he saw his own weaknesses. He saw his own inabilities. He saw the weakness that we all, as human beings, struggle with, and yet he experienced a loving, redeeming God who called him. I mean, receiving God's love can be quite hard for people, but I'll tell you when it becomes very easy. It's very easy to receive God's love when you realize that you have a 
personal shepherd. He's right there to be with you, that he'll walk with you through things, that he, he knows the struggles. He became a human. He's had bad hair days and bad breath days, and he knows exactly what it's like, you know, just to walk on this earth close to him. You'll discover that friend who's closer than a brother, a personal shepherd, someone who will walk with you and be with you, and there's something great about that. There's something wonderful about his love. There's something amazing about just understanding. He, he understands. He knows me. He cares about me. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with this. It's like they know it in their minds, but it's hard to receive his love. I am grateful for his love. What you need is a revelation of it. The verse began in verse 14 by seeing that you have a high priest. That, that you, you don't see it in the natural. You see it in the spiritual. And when we talk about receiving God's love, there's a revelation in your heart that has to take place where you know that you know that you know that you are loved by God. And that will bring peace into your life like nothing else, man. The peace of God. Now, I love how the verses conclude right here. Because you can't do the chapter without addressing the 16th verse, which tells us we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, there's grace to help you when you need it the most. Man, that's one thing I love about the Lord. His grace is there when you are at your lowest moments, when you're hurting, when you're on your face, when you're faced with certain failures in your life, when you're struggling in difficult moments. That is where his love and his peace is on display. And because of Jesus' blood, you and I can have access to his throne. I love it. We could find grace to help in time of need. Now, I don't know what you need help with this morning. I don't know what might be stealing your peace from you. But I do know that you can have the peace of God. I mean, think about what might be taking it from you. Maybe this morning you need to get more focused on spending time in God's word, in his presence. That might be the single greatest source that you have of your problems, that you are not actively engaging in quiet time, daily devotion, spending time with him. There's just something about being in his word that is going to bring peace into your life, man, the peace of God. Think about the verse. You can find grace to help in time of need. I learned that from having his word in my heart. I know that I can approach him. I know that I can come into his presence because I know what the Bible says. It tells me that I can come with singing and joy because of blood. I mean, that, that, that sword it, that gets so sharp when you're in the scriptures. Or, you know, maybe it is this morning that your priorities are out of whack. You're not making the right decisions about things. You've got things that are out of kilter. You don't quite know how to say no. Your priorities are misplaced. They're in the wrong ideas, the wrong things. You might have, you know, a, a balance that's, you know, on, you know, not right there. Uh, maybe it's, you know, the fact that you react to things rather than respond to things because priorities aren't lined up. Uh, processing truth, man. That is the place where a lot of times people, you know, can, can get into a place of, of truth. You know what I found out about myself this week as I was processing things? I, I, I already knew it, but it was reiterated to me that I tend to be a verbal processor. Do you know how much that wears people out? So, and it's fine, because if you know someone else who's a verbal processor, they get you. They're like, let's process together. We can just... Not everybody does verbal process. Yeah. And other times, people, they'll, they'll, they'll let it boil and fester, and then it blows up. 
I just know that in processing something, you can get peace in your life. And there's something about processing truth, hearing it, that, that, that goes such a long way in your life, man. The ability to process truth, or, or maybe this morning, it's just simply you've got to receive God's love. Can I pray that over you? That you would understand and know the love of God in a, in a way that is a, a, like a revelation that would bring peace to your life. And I, I want to just declare that over you, the peace of God's love. Father, I thank you for your great love, your affirmation of us. I pray, I pray peace in the middle of the storm. I pray peace over people's emotions. God, I thank you for helping us identify, purify, walk with you, know you. I thank you for peace in my own life, God. Thank you for the peace that comes with you. Thank you for the peace that can only come through your spirit. And I just pray it would manifest in our lives. 30, 60, and 100-fold supernatural levels of peace. Thank you for peace and harmony in relationships. Thank you for peace in our soul. Thank you for peace in our finances. Thank you for peace in our decision-making. Thank you for the love of God that is so rich, so wonderful, so refreshing to us. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name. You might be in a battle this morning, man. You might have some struggles going on in your own heart and mind, but I'm telling you, his peace is there. Yeah. Peace. I, uh, I have little children, and you know what little children do? They push boundaries, and they try to you know, outskirt rules. So I knew a little boy one time. His parents told him, do not slide on the wood floor, because if you slide on that floor, you might get a sliver in your foot. But that little boy, of course, did not listen. And he was sliding around his socks when his mom was gone. And in doing that, he landed one of the biggest slivers in his foot. And he didn't want to get caught. And that's what children do. They don't want to just open up about. So for the next two days, he hobbled around the house. And his mom said, you know what? What's the problem? Finally, by the second day, she said, what is going on? Take that shoe off. Take that sock off. And that is when she saw all the trouble. There was a sliver that said in it. You know, if you don't remove a sliver, if you don't deal with that, that pain right there, you could get gangrene. You could lose a foot. You could potentially even die. That's happened to people. That Their body will start decomposing. It'll spread. It could kill you. That is a perfect picture of sin and what it will do to you. It, it, we might have a sliver of sin, and without that sword of God's Spirit able to remove that thing, you, you might have gangrene set in and infect you to a point where you're dead. That's what happens with sin. And I just wanted to bring the sword of God's word this morning and help set anybody free who maybe has drifted away, isn't walking with the Lord. You feel like you've got this agitation of pain in your life and, and it's, it's glaring. I'm telling you, the scriptures give us the answer for peace and righteousness. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know the Lord, if you've got a sliver in your foot that needs to be removed, I want to just give you the chance to get right with God. If you're not right with the Lord, if you want to give him lordship in your life, get us liver removed. I want you to put a hand up, and I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah very simple. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Let's just all say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me white as snow. I want to know you. I want you as my father. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer and you're sincere, I'm telling you, Jesus 
will be right there with you on the inside of you to help purify, cleanse that. He can bring surgery in your life in such a tremendous way. Father, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit this morning. I just feel led to declare peace over you in Jesus' name. Peace in storms. Let's stand up today. Now, we are going to go have us a good old-fashioned baptism. And my friend Kevin over here, he's helping us line up. So we're going to go on down to the river. Kevin's going to meet you outside over here. And if you're getting baptized, we've got T-shirts and certificates for you. He's going to get you all lined up. Uh, I'd like to meet down there in about uh, a half hour. So 11.40, 11.45, I want to gather everyone together. And then we're going to dunk people in the river. Now, I told you it's going to be a little cold, but again, they do this in Russia. So nothing to be afraid of. If you got kids, could you get them out quickly? Because Pastor David's son is getting baptized today, and he wants to be out there. So if you don't mind. And if you want prayer, man, these altars are open for anything you're going through. We, we want to pray with you. We love you very much. Uh, join us also later today at the reef. Amen? All right. We're at the Oasis. Yeah, my bad. I love y'all. Catch y'all next week. Amen.